guys, it's uh, Jack here and Mr. Mitchell with me as well. Welcome back to the uh, Twin Cam podcast with your sort of your bigger podcast of the week where we discuss a motoring topic that's uh, been plaguing our minds. Um, and this week's topic for us has uh, been a sort of almost a follow on from last week's podcast about the hyper hatches. We wanted to discuss um, driver focused cars for that are new that are affordable, you know, for the, the average person out there that can. You know, afford these cars. I mean, we're not talking your Porsche Caymans and your M3s. That's a bit too far out of our budget, really. Um, so we thought we'd come a bit lower down the scale and discuss the things that perhaps get a bit overlooked. Um, we've come up with a selection for you, and uh, you know, if you would like to let us know which ones you prefer and uh, what what are your favourites, what you buy, then obviously feel free to send us a message on Instagram or something, and we, you know, also with a bit of feedback if you want to leave us some. Um, so I think. On our list first, uh, Connor, I believe you've got something that uh, that you'd like to share yeah. with you. Yeah, I've got something to share with you. It's the Mazda MX-5. I mean, come on. If we're talking driver's cars, you can't overlook anything but the MX-5. Um, the it's, it's in its fourth gen now. Um, I had a little bit of a, a stinker with uh, Mark III. And, Which uh, you were going to buy from memory before uh, you slate it too much. <laughs> so don't, don't up, you boy. give it all that. Don't you give it all that. I saw you looking on Auto Trader at them. <laughs> I even tried to sell you one. Yeah, you did. And it was the most horrible colour ever, so that was definitely not going to happen. Um, what, lipstick <laughs> red? Like, <laughs> oh, it's fucking horrible, mate. <laughs> I'm a boom's arsehole. It was a horrible colour. Yeah. Um, so I've had a Mark One. Um, it was a dog of a car. It wasn't, you know, I bought it for little money and it wasn't kept well. It had to go to scrap. It was awful. But the actual sense of driving the car was fantastic. And I, I understood the the meaning of the MX-5. And it's something you can't market, really. Because from the outside in, to someone who doesn't know about cars to, uh, to the next person, they look at the MX-5 and go, it's a fucking hairdresser's car. What are you doing buying that stuff? So the original Mark One came in a one six or a one eight. Um, the UK models only had like ninety horsepower, and that's the one I had. And it was such um, a great car. Can I just car. stop you there, though? I just Go want to stop on. you there. Yours had a lot less than ninety horsepower, did it, Connor? It also had a lot less than four cylinders most of the time. <laughs> and also, thinking... you say it's a hairdresser's car. I watched you come down the high street one day, and not only did you not fit in the car. You were wearing neon green sunglasses, and it looked like you just left the camp disco. It was astonishing. I've never laughed uh, so hard in my life. I was 19 years old, man. What would you expect? Better. What did you expect? <laughs> I, I expect better. better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the um, so the MX-5, when it went from Mark 1 to Mark 2, um, it was just a standard facelift, but when oh, the, the pop-up headlights went, regulations come in meant you couldn't have pop-up headlights which was such a disaster but it got your you know the sort of tail end to the mark ones got your creature comforts like power steering and abs and all that i say creature comforts is pretty much the safety regulations nowadays yeah <laughs> so, they did put on um, the minimum that they could really if you think about it exactly yeah aircon um, was a bit of a luxury not that you needed it if it was a drop top no exactly so um the mark 3 was completely brand new car um it was a good car. Let's put it, you know, let's give it to the 
to Mazda. It was a great car, but it just didn't capture the essence and the simplicity of the, the Mark One and Mark Two. It tried too hard with the wheel arches. It tried too hard with the styling. Um, but then the Mark IV has come out and it's gone back to basics and it's brilliant. Um, where they went to a 2-litre with the Mark III, the Mark IV is now a 1.5, the Skyactiv model uh, engine. Um, but you still got your you know, front engine, rear-wheel drive, six gears on the floor, standard uh, H-pattern gearbox, which is the best. I think when you talk about driver-focused cars, because you can have a driver's car, like your Porsches and all that, which are flappy paddle, that's a driver's car. But driver-focused cars, H-pattern all day long, all day long. And um, I think that the best thing about this is is that it's so cheap and accessible. 50-50 um, weight distribution, it's not too powerful. It's it, it's like what we said about the, the, the sort of hot hatch of yesteryear, where it would sort of teach a driver how you should be driving cars. Um, but that's, again, this is the, the, the guy that has potential to, you know, really want to focus on cars, whereas the next person just drive it because it's got a, a drop top or the colours nice on it. Mazda I didn't think market that out for that. I think you're right, though. I think you, what you'll find throughout this podcast is that a lot of our choices are on the you know, towards the lower power end. I think the most power we've got in our selection, honestly, is about 200 horsepower. And I think that's is that the from, highest we... Is that from what? your next car? Or your first car, you are about to say? No. Uh, do you know what? I don't think it... I don't think it is. And I think that comes later on the... on the. Well, there's a three horsepower difference if you want to be really, really picky. But... <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah, there's nothing more than 100 horsepower. Uh, 100 horsepower god that's going back to fear days then you know 200 horsepower on the list you know they're all no, very exactly. very you know underpowered but lightweight and that's really you know you who needs I think, power when you can just yeah I, I think i think the um if we were american right now we'd have a completely different list if i'm oh, massively because you you would probably look at the new mustang you know I, uh, to be honest that's mm. all you could really pick out of that group no, exactly. And I'll just sort of look at the list we've got. So we've we've selected five cars between us, um, or six cars, actually. Um, and I can see myself driving all of these on, like, the B roads of England. That That's the way I look at driver-focused cars. Whereas if I took these to America, they wouldn't work at all. So you've got to have that in the back of your mind, that these skinny B roads, these smaller cars and smaller powered cars, they're perfect for them. But it gives that driver that that sense of feel, so and I think the the MX Five really sort of captures that. You know, from its roots, from the it was the Lotus Elan. I think the the roots really were. Um, that's what well, Mazda no, sort of the, designed the, it off. Was it Elan? Elan? Well, yeah, yes, because this yeah, it was the Elan Walkers. The first they wanted to make a re like a remake of the S One Elan, and then obviously yeah. you know they made the Mark One, and then Lotus came out with the front engined front wheel drive atrocious or atrocity that was the next Elan and that was a complete sales flop in comparison yeah no I think um, Mazda took the Elan sort of blueprints and, and made it successful really yeah it was the, that reincarnation of the British sports car that you know had been missing for so long you know there yeah. hadn't really been a British you know a really fun British sports cars since at least the early 70s 
you know, you went th- throughout. I know the master. So it's been what, fifteen years at least between that. You know, that market mm. had just not been filled by anyone. I mean, yes, no. Lotus was still releasing the odd thing here and there, but even they had moved away from the lightweight thing. You know, with the sprees and that sort of stuff. So you were definitely yeah. more, you know, more power, a bit heavier. And Mazda wanted to take it right back to its grass moots. Uh, grass moots? What am I on about? Grassroots <laughs> motoring. Um, yeah, so I'm, I mean, personally, do you know what? I've never driven an MX-5. It's, the, it's I would. bizarre. They are everywhere and I've never driven one. I would. Um, I'm seriously considering about buying another one. A Mark II, potentially. See, um, I was. I had the exact same thought. I, want, I was thinking about a Mark II and just... Track daying the thing, you know, putting some tires on it, some brakes, and a roll roll bar, and leave it at that. No, but that so many people have done it though. That's the thing. I know, but I want to. I want to experience what that sort of. I mean, at the end of the day, I have many other things I can go track day in. Um, but I want. <laughs> I want to experience Jack that casually. Sort of... Casually, just sort of. Uh, oh, sorry. Let me just pick up that 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 drop. That drop. I'll pick that back up. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I would like to try one at some point. Shame I never got to have a go in yours, but let's be honest, every time I saw it, I had four flat tyres and the black had gone a very slight shade of lighter to grey. Um, oh, I put an Nardi wheel in it. I put a Nardi wheel in it. and that, You did put a Nardi wheel in it. Did you actually get to drive it with the Nardi wheel, though? I think for about a week. <laughs> well, as long as you had your fun, that's all that matters, I guess. Mm. And I, I did put it on right. It was offset by about, I think, a, a tooth on the... Um, on the spoke, so it was sort of That's, casually driving that is left just a little. That's the most irritating thing that you that you can ever see. I just I know I just couldn't be asked to change oh. it. I just couldn't be asked to change it. I really couldn't. <laughs> no, well, I think the MX Five is a, is a great choice for anyone, whether you're going for well any generation really. Even I know we slated the Mark Three, but I think any generation you can definitely take a swipe at or take a punt on it and enjoy it for the most part. Um, they're are no problems to really ignore Connor's story. Connor did buy the only non-working MX-5 on the planet. I don't know how you've managed that. I think if you're going to buy a Mark 1, yeah, if you're going to buy a used one, you go for a ULOS and make sure Mm. it's got, um, obviously, your your history and all that. So just make sure. I mean, with with the Mark 1s, I suppose the... Actually, and the Mark 4s now, I think you do have to... Wait, do the Mark 4s... There is an option for a 2-litre, is there not? Um, I don't think so. Was it the Mark Three that you have? No, Mark Three's all, all two liters, I think. Because I know there's there's this big debate, and I'll have it later on with another car about which engine size that you should go for. And actually, it does tend to be a one point six or a two liter. And yeah. I think a lot of people go. <coughs> excuse me, that was not. It's not what most people go. Um, I think a lot of people. You know, automatically move towards the two liter. You know, having a bit more torque naturally um, with the bigger bore size and obviously having a bit more power. But I think, okay, maybe on a road on a day to day use, the two liter is going to be probably more your thing. You know, just having that extra torque so you're not working the engine quite so hard. But mm. really, if you're if you want it up on your toes and you want it driving properly and really enjoying the thing, I think you're going to want to go for the one point six on just about everything. Do you know actually. what? <clears throat> I'm. I might have. Uh, I didn't lie. I just didn't know. Uh, Mazda do put the two liter in the MX five. Yes, get in motoring knowledge. <laughs> I knew that they had an option, but I didn't know it was a two liter. 
So there you go. My well, bad. Okay, then what would you what would you Connor, if you if I said to you, here's some money, it's not gonna be my money because I'm not gonna give you money to buy a Mazda. But if I said to you, here's <laughs> some money, are you gonna go and buy a two litre or one point six? Oh I don't know. Every fibre in my being wants a two litre. Why the, are we talking why, MX5? Why? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, MX5. I think it depends really. It depends on on what you want from the car. If you if you if I was no, do you know what? A two liter. I'd have a two liter. And that's completely gone against what you've just said, but a two liter. Well, we're all allowed to disagree. And I disagree no, with not. a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think everyone's had their fix of Mazda MX five. Because I know a lot of people are gonna probably squirm and have their ass pucker at the, the, even the notion of an MX five. So you see, we'll do I don't. Move... I don't think. I don't think so. I, I'm going to mention the MX five in every single podcast we do from now on. The only time your ass puckers when you hear MX five is you just think back to the bill of buying a new engine. <laughs> it's like a little twitch of mine. Oh, yeah. can't get rid MX5. of MX five. Right. Anyway, move on before we. Yes, move on. Absolutely we'll get rid of the, the MX five. Name of the MX five. So. Next on our list um, is a choice of mine, and it is going to be very obvious. Everyone's Every magazine has given it an award for some sort or another. Um, it's not the best on my list. It is not the highest pick, but I do think that it's everyone's got a point. There is a reason it's on the list, um, and that is the brand new Fiesta ST. And it's, it's changed a lot since its previous generation. We've lost a cylinder. Mm. We have lost a cylinder. Um, and we've also lost... 500 cc as a result of that uh, loss but we have got a substantial turbocharging and with all these new modern um developments uh, in the mechanical side we've there's been a massive gain of power we've gained exactly nothing um from the previous generation all we've done is made it more economical which you know <laughs> to some people it's great going. but we're still making 197 brake horsepower as did the last model uh, however, I'm not sure if the torque's up. We're now at 214 foot-pounds of torque. Um, and well, it's pl it's plenty enough. Um, I have driven one of these briefly because um, I did want to see what it was like when it came out. So, you know, did the full torque shit to the dealer and say, yeah, yeah, dad's buying it. It's fine. You don't need to check my bank account. Um, so I drove one of these. And the thing that struck me most is... When I got in, firstly, the quality of the interior for a Ford, exceptional. I don't really like Fords. I've not been a fan. I think they look a bit cheap and chintzy and weird and like... You know what? Ford in the last few years have really picked it up, I think. Yeah. But, but previously, I just felt did like design. You, I've got in and I've gone, fuck, I'm in Cheshire or Romford or somewhere like that. You just go, oh, God. Ugh. Romford? It, it's all <laughs> tacky and weird. It's just, oh, <laughs> yuck. Um, or Saf End on Sea, mate. Sorry for all of you Essex, Essex boys out there. Um, I, I, I'm sorry for his accent just then. Yeah, no, it's not the best. Well, yeah, people, trust me, my accent gets a lot of hate as it is, so don't worry, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> but yeah, firstly, the interior quality. And then, actually, <laughs> God, yeah, there's going to be some stick for this afterwards. And then secondly, actually, something that really struck me that I haven't felt in a while is the driving position in a front-wheel drive car. Because usually, obviously, they're very 
you know, you, you sit quite up high and you, your knees are almost sort of, you know, your legs are going straight down. There's no sort of break or lean back or, you know, you know what I mean, Connor, don't you? That sort of... You, that you almost felt like you're sat on top position. of the engine. Yes, exactly. You're you're on the car, not in the car. Yeah, yeah. That, you know. And for the first time, I got in a front-wheel drive car. I can reach the gear lever with extreme comfort. It's it's nice and high. It's got a relatively short throw. The steering wheel can come right back into your chest, which is where I prefer it. Uh, you know, legs outstretched. And I was like, when was the last time I sat in something that was front-wheel drive and cheap that had this sort of comfort when it comes to, you know, a, the driving position? And I really don't think there is anything. I mean, I loved my Fiat Panda. Don't get me wrong. It was a great little car. Driving position. I might as well have been an acrobat in a circus, squeezing myself into a glass jar. <laughs> it, it just didn't feel right. So that was something that struck me straight off the bat. And then, although the engine has lost the cylinder and displacement, you would expect it to be a bit more revvy. However, with the turbocharger, it's it, it's the complete opposite. It feels like a bigger engine. It feels very talky, very, you know, real grunt that pulls you along. Um but you, it does lose a sense of drama. It doesn't feel quite as urgent as a, you know, a, just a, a naturally ugh, naturally aspirated four pot would feel. It's a bit sort of, do you know what I mean? There's that not like that. Oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's just that sort of grown up surge through the revenue. Yeah, range. it's all, it's almost um, like it's not it's not necessarily a um uh, oh let's go let's go. It's a uh, oh are we going now? Okay, all right then let's yeah. go. And it'll sort of I take mean, you overtaking potential, much better. You know, it'll pull out and overtake something fairly quickly. Um, mm. But, that, I mean, I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm disappointed in the power unit. Because it's quite, you know, it interests me, you know, being so small and turbocharged and feeling like a much bigger engine than it does. But I, it didn't it didn't give me the James May fizz on the, on the <laughs> engine front. I just went a bit, yeah, <clears throat> all right. Impressive, but nothing... Nothing special, but yeah. what more than made up for that was the the chassis and the way the thing handled. It would, it was like having like a cat that claws on for dear life, you know, on a rug that's falling off a table. Do you know? It's just like, I, and it will just grip and grip and grip. Um, but it's so playful, you know, because it will, because it's quite soft in the way it's sprung. It feels yeah. a bit sort of. Not predictable, but it's it's sort of it's egging you on. It's telling you it's it's wanting you to behave a little bit naughty. It's like God, God, do it, do it, do it. Uh, I might let mm. go. I might let go at any moment, and that's a great feeling, you know. And it's, I think, on the front wheel drive market, um, it's truly one of the like the sweet spots. I think going back to our hyperhatch podcast last week, I think the power's a sweet spot. The chassis is a sweet spot. Yes, you don't have the grip of four-wheel drive, but who really cares? You know, mm. let's, let's, you know, if that's where you want to move to. You want to move down, down the the ladder. So forget, go and sell your RS Focus and go and buy an ST. That's my. Advice. I think as well with, with this is that it it looks simple, but it looks good. It looks yeah, it's a very you neat know, looking I'm car. Entirely with you. You that could drive past mo you know ninety percent of people on the street, and no one would even look at you. You know, but no, exactly. there would be a certain where, number that would look at it and go, ooh, nice. Where everyone sort of looks at the likes of Merck, Audi and Beamer, like we said in the last podcast, in that 
they look at them and go, yeah. oh, I'll buy it because of the badge. Yes. This, you yeah. don't necessarily buy it because of the badge. You buy it because of how it makes you feel. And and that and that sense of the knowing of what the Fiesta ST can do. Mm. Um, but yeah, if someone who doesn't know about cars sort of looks at it in the street, they'll say, oh, it's just a normal Ford. Wouldn't bat an oh. eyelid to it. Mm. I will say, though. Which is always a good of, thing. On the front of attention... You will probably attract certain attention from the constabulary. Uh, there is a, you know, a Fiesta driver has a certain reputation for hooliganism. And don't get me wrong, you've got the car for it. But, yeah, you might have to watch out for plot occasionally because they do. What like I will say about that is, Fiesta. is it is it the Fiesta or is it the drivers of the Fiesta that does that? Because... Do you know what? I think, actually... Because of the people that buy them, most of them uh -huh. will be modified. So yes, it will be the car, but only because of the owner. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> well, the the uh, the constabulary are now using hot Fords again. I've That's seen a few a RSs. Um, years. <laughs> yeah, and uh, obviously now with Ford not necessarily focusing on that, they're going to go again. And then yes, as long as they're out the keys, go back to... fine. <laughs> they're going to go back to Volvos. Yeah, I love a hot Volvo. Yeah, but as I do a lot of motorway miles, and I have to admit there is nothing scarier than you. You see, you see a five series touring in the distance, usually in a dark colour, and you think nothing of it, and then you go, you are. Let's be honest. Going at a fair old lick down the outside lane. And that, yeah. if that, the rule of thumb is if that 5 Series is in the inside lane, that is undercover. <laughs> and the moment you come <laughs> you come up to it and you see it's got a second aerial and it's immaculate and it's sitting really low on poverty spec wheels, my God, you hit the brakes. There is nothing scarier yeah. than seeing a black or blue BMW Touring. <laughs> <coughs> You're not wrong. Anyway, I think that's, that's enough of um, Fiesta and enough of, of plod in our country. Uh, and we'll move on to our next selection. And it's actually something that we both picked, isn't it? We both had the immediate thought. Um, and that well, is our I think, Toyota GT86. Yeah, I think this is, the sort of, this is the one that sort of inspired this podcast title. Because um, this is the, probably the, the newest creation, if you like. So sort of something that's come out of nothing. Um, Toyota going back to their roots in, you know, sort of the, the late 90s of... The MR2, Supra, and uh, Celica, and all that, and and they didn't necessarily have a hot car. You know, Toyota's focused mainly of the mainly the focus of the noughties was on the hybrids, the um, the sort of taxi car, you know, taxi driver cars, the mini cabs, I should say. And then they sort of went to you know, they looked around, and went, Jesus, we don't do a hot car anymore. And um, this, I think, this is what come from. Want to get down with the um, youth in it, bro. <laughs> it's um, it's in collaboration with um, with Subaru, obviously because of the boxer engine and um, Scion. Remember, and, well, well, Scion are gone, well, now, aren't they? Scion are gone. I think Scion was just a division of Toyota, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, they were their American brand, a bit like Lexus is. Right. Okay. So um, yeah. Well, that explains that then. Um, yeah. I think, I I think Toyota purchased the parent company of Subaru I believe and that's why they got that collaboration in um, and that, that the engine's not entirely 
Subaru. I think it's got the Toyota um, influenced inlet. I, I, do you know what? I don't really know, so I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but it's a collaboration. Um, obviously, the I, I love the look of it. I think it's a great looking car. Now, you see, on the looks front, I actually think the Subaru is a slightly better looking car. And obviously, yes, they are almost identical in every way. There is no getting away from that. But I think, yeah. you know, they put that sort of Impreza-esque sort of day running light around the headlamp opposed to sort of what Toyota did. I think, yeah, yeah. honestly, it is just the the lights on the car, both rear and front, that make it look a slightly nicer package. Mm. But other than that, you know, they're almost identical. But as I was talking to Connor before this, I did look at buying one quite seriously for a long time. Instead, I it was a, a long time. Which, yeah, it was what must have been two thousand and God. When did I get rid of the slut? Uh, <laughs> when did she die? I forgot you called it that. Yeah, we won't go into why it's called that. Needless to say, she'll do anything you want. Um, was it twenty? It must have been twenty seventeen. I no twenty eighteen. I think I got the car. Yeah, so yeah, most of the yeah. run up to twenty eighteen. I was looking at the GT eighty six second hand, um, and I did go and test drive them. And let's. I think the key word in the GT86 is compromise. Um, as a driver's car, which is what we'll focus on, it is exceptional. It, I may have never had so much fun in a car yeah. like that. It, you know, because actually, as, as you were saying earlier about the focus from Toyota has been the hybrid technology, and the tires on the car are are eco tires. They're they're tiny. You know, yeah. they've got fat sidewalls and the width is nothing. Mm. And who knew that that would make one of the best accessible sport cars that you can have? I mean, admittedly, it eats tyres for lunch. You know, it will just well, go this through is... rear sets of tyres like rubber is going out of fashion and that there's going to be an, a rubber crisis at some point. Um, but it was such a balanced little chassis. It was, it was amazing. But as everyone said at launch and as everyone is still saying now, it was... It was underpowered. I mean, yeah, I think that's for the looks of it and for its design. It it looked like a much more powered car, powerful car. So it wasn't it. it it's for someone who hasn't driven it. It does sort of. It, it does have a smell of sort of underpowered, um, how underpoweredness. That's a word. Mm. That's a word now. And I'll, it, I'll just oh, yeah, it. we'll put it in the dictionary for you, mate. That's absolutely fine. Thank put you. it in the urban but, dictionary. <laughs> going back to the um to the tires i'm claiming that we we created that we started that because remember back in the, back in the day when we were on gran turismo online oh god and we we wanted to have you know a lot of fun we didn't care about the racing anymore we had our races we just wanted to piss about for a lot the next 20 minutes we put um i can't remember what car we it was rear wheel drive cars but here uh, we decided to put like roads. Was it? What's it? Oh, the, the hard road called? tires. That like the worst hard road tires, tires, tires you could get in the game. Yeah, and just overpowered rear-wheel drive cars, <coughs> and just have a fun, have a lot of fun, just drifting. Uh, I'd say drifting, uh, spinning, actually. Yeah, there was a lot of spinning um, going on, and uh, and see who could control their monster cars. Um, that that was fun. So I can completely get why Toyota did that because they stole it from us. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Toyota came to us personally and said, could you please develop these 
this car for us because we've seen that you are right tits on Gran Turismo. Great fun. But the one thing I think, I think Toyota's has done something though recently that has sort of blown away the car community. What they did, and it is a big thing, it's never been done before. They listened. They listened to what people had to say about it and they changed it. I mean, forgive, forgive well, the- me for thinking that is an um, but they've now, you know, announced a turbo version. Which is going to have, have another fifty on? horsepower? Yeah, have they, they? I think I, I believe they have. I, I was reading an article on it, and then, well, I don't know if they've announced the release date, but it is definitely in the pipelines. I mean, to be honest, people um, have been doing it since they came out, so it can't be that hard. Um, but I think that extra fifty horsepower is really what the car needed, and that I think more than the horsepower, I think what it needed was the boost in torque, because it. And, but I think there's, it's, it's also a bit of a lackluster engine. Okay, I mean, I've just it, looked at um, Car Throttle. Yeah. Next Toyota GT86 arrives summer 2021 with 260 turbo engine. There you go. 260 brake horsepower. So another 60 so horsepower over standard then. That that does sound a lot better. Um, and but uh, I don't want. I don't think it should never be more than that. I think that is the that is the right spot for the car. I've always said the 300 horsepower bracket is sort of like perfect for a driver's driver car. Yeah, I think obviously that that's weight dependent. You know, if you've got less weight, yeah, you don't yeah, of need course. that much. But around, well, I suppose you what you're really looking at is that sort of what 300 to 350 horsepower per ton is probably where you're looking at. Yeah, for fun without any <clears throat> sense of danger. Yeah. You know, for the sort of fun where you want to pull out in front of a truck and you don't go, well, I'll look at my calendar and see what I'm doing for the next few days and see <laughs> if I have time to overtake this truck. Um, but I think that would be one to watch. As we said last week, Toyota at the moment is our one to watch with what they're coming out with at the moment. Definitely. Um, I, think I just want to say mm. on the... So I'm looking at the Toyota's official website. Uh, features and specs of the GT86. Under the performance drop-down menu... Or drop down thing. It's got four ticks saying what it's got under the performance. So it's got a rear spoiler. Rear limited slip differential lock LSD. Now lock. that would be interesting. Now it's the next one. McPherson Strut front suspension. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but the majority of brand new cars on the road today have all got McPherson Struts. No, let me say yes. that again. Every car. That has been released in the last ten years has got McPherson strut front suspension, and I just that made me laugh. Uh, but the but it sort of makes up for itself on the fourth one. Double wishbone rear suspension. That's going back to the MX-5 again. Double wishbone yeah. all round. That is what you want. No, I think when that car comes out, it will be very well received. I mean, I can't wait yes. to get get a look at it. But uh, I mean, but like I like I just. The one problem that they will never be able to solve, with turbo or not, actually, it's probably going to be worse with the turbo, is the noise of the car. It is, it's so uninspiring. Because I'm, well, a, let's see I'm what a happens massive, because, go on. Oh, I'm a massive 911 fan, so I like a flat engine. You know, yeah. I like I like that sort of growl they can give you at you know high RPM, but it just, it sounds like someone keeps trying to pull the cord on their old lawnmower. And the higher it gets, you know, like an old school four-stroke lawnmower. And it just goes... And it's just 
and then you change the gear, and then you've got to listen to it again, and that's that's not fun. But I mean, I'm sure. Well, you we'll see what happens. Exhaust. Um, could it? Yeah, it could be sort of with the exhaust or the the gearing, maybe. But we'll see. Hmm. It's uh, it's got potential. Let's put it under the bracket of potential. Yeah, we'll see. See, I'm I'm sure it'll be in some sort of you know auto cars car of the year when it does release. You know, because there's no way that people are going to ignore it. No, exactly, exactly that. Right, I think right. Uh, Toyota is covered. Uh, that is a GT80 tick. Ha! Um, lol, ruffles, uh, smiley for face. The puns. Um, right, we'll move on to one of my next choices. Um, now, this is a slight uh, curveball for a lot of people. People may, might think it's not in the affordable range. Um, but I think they have just ceased production. But my next selection is a Lotus Elise, but it is a club racer. So I feel Lotus have gone a bit silly with their entire life, going, let's put more power in everything. I don't get it. It's not what Lotus is for. Um, mm. Now, the club racer was a real throwback to the original sort of Elise. So instead of the standard 1.8 or... Uh, yeah, the 1.8 or the 2 litre you got in the new Elise... Um, that was usually supercharged, so it was at the Elise 220. Um, the club racer stuck with a 1.6 Toyota unit, and it produced an almighty 134 horsepower. It was Whoa. a beefy engine, yeah. Um, but it did only weigh 852 kilos. Um, now, it's at the higher end of our bracket, at 27 grand when it was new. Um, but it was, it was a real pared-back version. So you had essentially plastic seats with padding so it looked like a little center you know uh, or a 600 lt spider inside yeah and it had this amazing exposed gear linkage like you did on the on the paganis and stuff of the day mm, um love that and it revved like a nutcase it just went all the way up the rev range and all the way down as fast as it could it was so eager to do anything you wanted um and when you eventually you know stop mucking around with flooring it and you got to the point where you're on the open road you realize obviously it's got no power you know it's so underpowered for what it is so it makes yeah. it automatically makes the car a more of a momentum car you have to drive it differently to just about everything else you can't rely on the power to pull you out of a situation so what it does is with its supple chassis what it just allows you to it's not stiffly sprung either, so you've got the weight transfer to help you, and you, it will carry you and carry all the speed that you enter a corner with to the apex, which you'll always hit because it doesn't weigh anything and there's nothing to pull you out the other side. But once you're up, up and moving, I cannot think of a better car to just you know, find a long, curvy bit of road that goes on for 20 miles, and you might just... It's like driving a Mini. You just have to dab the brakes and keep going. And I mean, I know that a lot of people are going to go Lotus, lots of trouble, hugely serious. And that's probably still the case if you long term them. But it was just my little something I wanted to throw in there and see how much backlash I get. Because, you know me, I like a bit of controversy. Um, it's, as I said, very different to everything we've mentioned so far. Mm. Um, again, another car I looked at buying because I'm greedy. Um, which I didn't buy because for some reason the prices went astronomical secondhand. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
Connor, lotuses aren't really your thing, are they? They're not your... Well, I was going to say, sort of three cards we mentioned already, you can live with and you can daily. And yeah, yeah. I think with this, it is more your Sunday drive, um, which I get. I understand it. That's the thing. I understand the, the Lotus theory and the Lotus um, sort of aura about the car and the reason why they do things. But what what's what's the power unit in that? One point six uh, Toyota unit, not supercharged. Mm, you see, it's sort of like the the very basic of basics. You could it's get got, a, it's got the what's it's not VTEC. What's Honda's version? It's um uh VVTI. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever that is, their their version. So it's got variable you know, valve it's, it's, it's a full twin cam. Hey, twin cam. Well, it's our obvious choice then. It has to win. You can't can't say it. It doesn't now. Sorry. The end of story. Well, it's got our name it, in. it doesn't. <laughs> um, I just think that there's so many other engines out there that a Lotus could have used. Um, I, I, I know why they've used the Toyota. It's cheap and it's, you know, Lotus are not affluent in money as... as other car companies are but if you go for i don't know you can even go for a two litre honda engine that that would have been good um and it's probably the more accessible engine to use um a lot more people know about it um and therefore it's probably been worked on longer so you can have a lot more um capabilities in uh you know tuning the thing up but each their own really i think if you had a two liter honda engine in that that would have been much better i think you're just you're, you're just trying to slate them because you've been in a lotus with my family and it's probably the most terrified you've ever been <laughs> i think this is you just trying to get away from the subject no i think the ter- most terrified i've been in the car is when you drove us back from guildford and we mentioned it in the last podcast and uh it was me and morgan are back and uh yeah Oh, that that's the most terrified I've ever been. There was a lot of weight transfer. We'll put it that way, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I did feel you I did feel the fucker. car like to hop over a jump when the weight went from one side to the other. I mean, what you two together probably must weigh what? Hundred and yeah, let's just gloss over it. Uh, hundred and fifty. What do you reckon, you and more you and Morgway together? Well, I'm I'm just under a hundred, <clears throat> so I don't know what Morg is. Let's call okay. Let's call it two hundred kilos to make it easy. So yeah. then there's Will and me. So we're probably another one hundred and fifty kilos. The yeah. car weighs eight hundred kilos. That is a lot of. That's nearly half the weight again <laughs> in people <laughs> in the car. That's a lot of weight transfer for that suspension to deal with. But yeah, that's actually, why I was scared. Actually, no. The most terrifying journey I have taken is in a Lotus. Not the time I crashed it either. It was actually when my dad picked you and me up in the Exige after it had been rebuilt with its extra power. And we looked at him and went, well, there's two seats. How do you intend <laughs> on getting us back? Went, oh, you just sit on Connor's lap. Have, being unrestrained in your lap in that car is the most frightening oi. thing I've ever done. Oi, oi. oi. <laughs> Get the buckles on, boys. <laughs> We're going for a ride. Yeah, yeah. sure about that car. I want it back. But hey, that's why we've bought the new one, so can't complain mm. right so i think 
before we traumatise each other further, I think we'll move on to our next choice. Um, and fun enough, I th- we're going to turn out to be real, real Toyota fans here. You know that, right? Well, you know, I've never really been a Toyota fan. I know, and suddenly us, us two are going like, ooh, 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 Toyota, hello, ooh. Yeah. It's like, the, it's like the girl at school who you thought was ugly and then you left and then she says hi to you on Facebook three years later and you're like, oh, oh, hello. How are you? Well, well, hang on a um, minute. This is a deeper conversation. <laughs> that's that's for next week's podcast. We'll have a new podcast called Strapping. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sweet Jesus. Uh, we're going into a dark, dark mind. Um, yeah, so a, a, a third... Is it a third Toyota? No, it's the second Toyota on our list. Third in two podcasts. Um, and it's the baby brother to the one we mentioned um, last week. Um, and I yes. Think you've got the facts in it, haven't you, Connor? Facts and figures. Well, this is more expensive than yeah, what we've mentioned already. But it's the Yaris GR. How yes, much was that, it? Well, let's have a look. Uh, GR Yaris, um, and then you've got the... Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the circuit pack. My bad. <laughs> so standard standard GR Yaris is uh, 30 grand. And then the... What? The, yeah. Oh, my God. And then Can the GR Yaris... the dealership? <laughs> you can have your head in your hands going, Oh, God, I've just spent 30 grand on Toyota. Oh, yeah, God. exactly. Uh, thirty-three grand or thirty-three and a half for the Yaris Circuit Pack. Um, you know that is on but... par with what my next choice on the last choice. That's nearly the most expensive thing on this list. <laughs> thing is, like, you do get the all-wheel drive system um, with this, and I just think I think this is possibly this will smoke the GT86. I reckon this oh, will 100%. smoke it. I'm but, so excited for this car. But I just I, I just want to stop you there and actually go back a bit then in that case. I mean, if you look at the Elise we've just spoken about for 27 grand, is it worth five grand more? That's see, Do you see what I mean? Right. If, if you're looking at a performance car, do you really want to spend an extra five grand and have a Toyota badge at the end of it? Do you want to spend five grand and have a daily? Yeah, I'd buy an Elise. But you know I'm insane, so that it, that's yeah, beside yeah, the point. You, you're fucking <laughs> stupid, man. <laughs> yeah, this... I'm, I'm a bit of a nut job, so that doesn't matter. <sighs> it says developed directly from World Rally Activity with Tommy Mackinnon Racing. So why do they not put Tommy or the Ma- Tommy Mackinnon Racing logo on it? Honestly, that would sell so much more. Going a bit of rallying in the in the pedigree we are. Honestly, um, the rallying pedigree. You put that on the card and you sell it, and anyway, I would buy it. You would buy it. Go up, go up the valleys in it, and have a hoon around on the dirt roads. I mean, considering that I've got Welsh in my blood, that's the worst Welsh accent I've ever done. I do apologise. You're a bloody looking, isn't it? No, <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah, I have to admit, I'm just picturing that Yaris in red, with white ten-spoke wheels. Yeah. With that, with the stripe down the side. Up. That actually sounds quite good. I mean, but I suppose the red they give you is yeah, that's it. The red they given you is scarlet fire, and it's sort of that dark, sort of dark plum okay, red okay. that t- Toyota do. If it's like a brighter red, 
and like you say that you could just get you could decal that you can oh mate I'm actually quite excited for this car uh, oh. wait so this, this is this... the new one we're talking about is it rather than the so they, they've done another one have they so I'm a bit lost I'm a bit behind no, it's, the times it's, it's launching this year October yeah because well they didn't they did one um, a few years ago did they not was it the was that a Yaris or was that something else okay they did it on Top Gear, you know, with the well, no, sorry, the Grand Tour, if you want to be politically correct. And they had the what, the Polo GTI and the and the Fiesta ST, actually. Yeah, I'm and not sure white, about that. Red and black remember. little tears in it. Yeah. So I, I need to rewatch that. Thing, but yeah, so this has got six six speed manual gearbox. It's a one point six liter three cylinder turbocharged engine. That's mad. 257 brake horsepower. Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. I was really hoping they were going to stick with the supercharger like with the last <clears> model. <throat> Dang but it's it. 257 horsepower. Yeah, I mean, that is a lot. That's that's a lot in a, in a, let's be honest, in a, what would you call it, a super mini hot hatch. Yeah. 0 to 62 in 5.5 seconds. That's going to feel very unusual in a car that small. Very I think we said Toyota is the one to watch, and if this is as good as the the interior is and the exterior and the uh, or how it looks anyway, not necessarily the materials that they're using in the interior. Toyota has always been a bit shoddy, but if it looks as good as it goes, no, goes as good as it looks then this is going to be a great car. A very good car. Well, I quite like the fact that they've taken it from from the WRC sort of inspiration because, let's be honest, WRC cars at the moment perform and look so exciting. And I think, you know, seeing something like that on the road is going to be, you know, it's going to make it a bit more special. It sort of, feel, it, it almost reminds me of the, the last gen Fiesta ST but when they did the 200 mm. and they did did them in that little Nardo grey, and it makes you feel a bit special. Yeah, That's but it's a bit. It's it, it makes you feel special, but it's it's a sleeper, you know. Yeah. Only real people know that the GR is like going to be quick. Someone, let's look at the Yaris as a whole. If <laughs> if you went and bought a Yaris of ten years ago, people make you laugh. People would laugh at you. If you went and bought this now, people would laugh at Looking you. Looking at you, Harrison then Hendrick. Look at you. <laughs> and then look across you when you go for, let's say you go to the lights and you get, I don't know, you pull up against a polo or whatever and you've got utes in there who think, oh my God, it's a Yaris. What the fuck is that? And you absolutely floor it and take off. People are going to know. People oh, are going to know. It's going to be gone into the distance. Four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Yaris GR. I think this is this is definitely. Oh, I, I actually I'm going to test drive one when it comes out. I'm going to absolutely love it and restrain myself from buying one. Well, it's quite interesting to see. Actually, if you look at the the Fiesta that they've just released, because those two used to be next to each other in comparison. Mm. And it's interesting to see the two separate. You know, that's running another. What do you say the power was? Two hundred and what? 257? Yeah, so it's got another 57 horsepower over the over the Fiesta. And it's four-wheel mm. drive, not two-wheel drive. And it's quite interesting to see the two 
sort of um, approaches that both companies are taking. I mean, actually, you would have thought that Ford would have gone with that that particular way of doing it rather than Toyota. But it'd be interesting to see if people compare them in the future when it is released still, because obviously they used to compare them, you know, when they were both new. And yeah. these two new generations would be quite interesting to see if they then compare them again and see there's see them as competitors. I mean, you look at the figures and the price and the power or whatever, and they don't look like competitors to each other anymore. But then no. the Aris has sort of moved into that that void we were talking about last week where there isn't really much. You're either looking at a lot more money, you know, towards the Audis and the Mercs, or you're looking at less towards mm. the Fiestas. So it is yeah. that funny funny bracket that's no- nothing else is in apart from what, a Golf R? Well, this I is should, it. That this must is... be faster than a Golf R. No, I don't think, it, I don't think so. Oh, well, I guess we'll see, won't we? Yeah. But Toyota, another one. Watch it, you know. Well done, Toyota. Thumbs up from me. Big thumbs. I mean, I know this is podcast and you can't see the big thumbs up, but yes, Toyota. Um, so I think what we'll do now. You didn't we'll see move... my. You didn't see my one for the uh, the Elise. It was something oh. completely different. <laughs> Did your fist <laughs> move left to right with a small hole in it? It might have done. And the other one had a little finger, middle finger up as well. <laughs> ah, ah, it's nice. You know, Connor, you have no idea how often I see that that sign when I'm driving around in a Lotus. It happens a lot. <laughs> see, I thought people were just waving at me. Um, <laughs> Um, right, so what we'll do on that note of driving around in a car that makes you look like a knob, we'll move on to our last car, a Caterham 310. So, <laughs> um, now, we, my uh, family has owned one of these for a long time. Um, and now, I know a lot of people are going to sort of go, ooh, Caterham 620R, 500, whatever. Um, too much. It's just too much. You can't have that much power in something that doesn't weigh anything. It's just, it's pointless. It doesn't actually work. It scares the living shit out of you. And it will, I mean, we've been on so many track days where people have done a lap in the grease and gone home. There's no no purpose to them. So before we go any further, the 620R, put that out of your mind. That doesn't exist. We, we don't want to talk about that. It's not a driver's car. It's a death trap. You know, it's like a racer from the 50s. You'll just die every time you take it out. So mm. what I would like to do is focus on the le- the smaller engines, and I'll have another discussion about between the two liters and the one point sixes. Um, so the the three ten is is the mid range car. You're looking at about thirty four grand. So it's the most expensive on our list, not by much apparently, according to Connor's Yaris. Um, and the power unit is a one point six Sigma Ford unit, um, developing around one hundred and fifty horsepower or so, um, and it revs to the moon and back. So. To me, this is the closest of the old K-series engines that you used to find in the Lotuses and the Caterhams um, that has managed to be sourced. You know, The 2 liters rev a bit, don't rev as high and not as fast, but they've got far more torque and far more power. So it's entirely what you want from the car. Um, so the 1.6, sort of, it revs very nicely. It go up and down the rev range. You know, it's like running up and down stairs. It's great, and it makes a fabulous noise. It's deafening, though, since the exhaust pipe is about a foot away from your head. Um, so, the 1.6 produces its peak power about six grand on the rev range. But because this is a driver-focused car, it's great because it, yeah, the power's gone after six, but it just wants you to rev it to seven. And then, if you're really ballsy and you don't mind blowing it up, seven and a half. 
Um, so it's a great little engine. It's actually one of the few engines on this list that I really, really love. Um, it's actually I think it's the only. Nah, I suppose the I do like the Elise engine, but mm, oh yeah, I think it's the only engine on this list that I've really liked. Um, but and then you, but that really the engine's not the like, what you're looking for in the package. What you what you want is the chassis on these things. Is you know it's the essence of motoring distilled down. And actually, I'm I'll come out and say it, Connor. I think we should forget everything we've spoken about before. Because if you are wanting a driver-focused car that is, has nothing else on it, you buy one of these. End of story. I, I don't th- think there is anything else to be said about it. I mean, I think the uh, yeah, the essence of Caterham is around the driver. Um, it's it's unquestionably focused on on the person that operates the car. I just think that oh, I wouldn't be seen in it. That's the trouble. And that's fine because you will not fit. I barely fit, so that's fine. I just, well, the thing is, okay, I have, I you know, I have in, invited you on track days before. Yes. Would you come out with me? In fairness, at Cadwell Park, which is probably the scariest circuit that you can drive around, <laughs> in the coach room. Oh, do or is I this want more to because live? yes? But is this more because? You are scared of the car, or my ability to control said car. I think more. It's more on you. <laughs> I thought it would be. I, I, yeah, I, I thought I thought that would probably be the case. But it's. But yeah, I, I mean, just... yes, I am aware it's a track car, but you know the coach that we had, we bought it. Uh, ooh, four years ago with seven thousand miles on the clock, and four years later we now have twenty-four thousand miles on the clock. So we use it a substantially, you know, we've been to France and it and all sorts of stuff like that. And I think I know you, you were talking about dailies before. Yeah. If you think about it, the Catrum is the best daily car in the world. And I will tell you what? why. I will tell you why. I will lay out my logical thinking for you as a what do you call it? A philosopher of the automotive industry. I, I dream big uh, and come up with new ways around life. Right, boot space. People have always said that Catrums have tiny boots. And this simply isn't true. You do have a roll bar. And you can strap an awful lot to a roll bar. Uh, Like a lawnmower. A lawnmower has been on the back of the Catrum. We have strapped that to the Uh, Catrum. Um, The only thing that hinders the amount of stuff you can put on the back is weight. Because as Dad and I found out, about 100 metres from home on the way to... Uh, Le Mans. Uh, if you add too much weight to the back, you end up with a very snappy early 911 that wants to kill you immediately. Um, yeah, it, you do start getting the pendulum effect. It's got a heater. It's got an immobilizer. Wow. And it's so difficult to strap yourself in, no one will ever steal it from you. And it never runs properly anyway, so they probably only get 30 feet. So security is covered there. You know, no problems. You have a roof that you can put on, um, which by the time that you've put on, it will have stopped raining. But that's, again, beside the point, it has roof. Um, it's very economical. I mean, come on. You, I, you can't knock 45 MPG. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah, so that's that top ticked. Um, the dog goes in it. So you can get you can get a dog in it. And I'm not talking 
tiny little things that you want to drop kick across a room like a chihuahua. More like our 70 kilo golden retriever that's massive. That he goes in. <laughs> he loves it. So you, that right there, you've got you've got a van. I've just got, got an image of you drop kicking a fucking chihuahua, man. <laughs> I, don't put it past me. So right there, you've got uh... a van, an estate car, you've got a sports car, um, and you've got... Oh, hang on a minute, you've got an estate car? Yeah. If I put a lawnmower in my estate car, if I had one, I'd love an estate car. Wait, could you get If a... I had one. Yeah. Go on. So wait, so you're telling me you could not get a lawnmower in your estate car? I haven't got an estate car, I've got a saloon. Oh, I thought... Oh, I'm disappointed in you, I thought you bought the estate like a half-decent... Honestly... Game. Honestly, I'm disappointed in myself that I haven't yeah, got an estate very car. disappointed in you. But I'm longing for the day for my Volvo. And as soon as I get my Volvo, my life is complete. Anyway, if I put a lawnmower in the back of my Audi now, it would not tip up at the back because the engine is so big. Um, and it's also so far forward that it's probably going to fall forwards on its face. <laughs> because I've had an Audi and yeah. I know that. I, I, have, I know the tricks. So I... Oh, I took the piss out of the, um, what was it? I think it was the GT86 or was it the GR? Um, about the McPherson strut. Oh, GT86. No. Yeah, GT86. No, 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 it wasn't. It was the um, it was the Yaris that you, that you mentioned because yeah, anyway. you went on the website, yeah. So I mentioned that because it's a very basic thing. You've just said that you should buy a Caterham because you can strap things to the back. Because it's got no boot, and yes. it does have so, a boot actually. How big's the boot? Bottom. What can you fit in the boot? Well, it's about as long as my forearm, and about as and it's one point seven meet. No, it's a meter wide. One point seven meters. It's it's a meter right, so wide. What what, what could you wide. fit in there? You could fit a piece of wood that was the length of my or the width Fuck of my forearm, out. and no, okay, Re- okay. Realistically, we've had. On the Caterham, when we go to Le Mans, we have had a tent. Yeah. We've had an extra fuel can. We've had two luggage bags. Um, we've had wet weather gear. Mm-hmm. And the roof. On it at once. And you're forgetting you've got all the room in the footwell as well. Not obviously behind the ground, there's pedals, that's just suicide. <laughs> but there's a bit of room, you know, the passenger can put his foot okay. up on. The MX-5, you can fit about twice as much in that. Nah, I've got a roll bar. I can just put, I'm sorry, I can put, I've got infinite space outside. <laughs> oh, shut up, man. <laughs> no. Do you know what, I'm genuinely going to see if I can find a picture off the kitchen with the... Uh, Actually, do you know what? I know I've got one with all the stuff on it. I know I've got one somewhere, and I will send that to you, and I will prove how much stuff you can put on nice. a Patreon. <laughs> and a picture right, of the anyway, just to prove it happens. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up. Out of all yeah. the six cars that we've mentioned, what would you go for? Um, oh. Right, okay. I, I, as much as I love it, I'm telling you now it's not the Catrum. Because I've done that. I've okay. done that route, you know. Toyota GT86. Um, interesting. That's in the running. Because mm-hmm. I've driven one and it feels just... I mean, honestly, power power sliding around around about 30 miles an hour just doesn't get old, ever. Um, Ford, no. 
MX5, God, now I've seen you and yours. Never again. I'm not going down that route. Oof. I think the Yaris is out because it's way too expensive for a yep. cheap driver's car. Do you know what? I'm actually going to go with the Elise Club Racer because I'm a lunatic and I don't really care wow. about everyday things. So I think it's going to have to be that, unfortunately. Um, you see, I think I'd the price go is completely acceptable. against that. Oh, really? What, 27, uh, 27 grand when it was new? You can probably pick them up for 25. <laughs> it's a lot of car you can get for 25 grand. Yeah, I just don't get You can a get a good M3 for that. I want an M3. Partly because I don't want people to leave me. I don't. If I had a wife and I came home with an M3, she'd leave me for someone else. That's just what happens. <laughs> I've so, seen the people who drive M3s. I would have... You see, the MX-5, yes, I, I would have one. Mark 4 or a Mark 1. Mark 2, 2.5 potentially. Mark 3, definitely not. Um, I would say no to the Fiesta. GT86, I'd have to wait for the um, uh, for the, the turbocharged turbo version. Um, I'd say no to the lease, no to the Caterham. Yaris, Grum, Grr, Grr, is Grr. definitely up there, um, despite the price. It would be between the two Toyotas and the MX-5. I would, if you, if well, you had a gun to me, Ed. Come on, no, wait, I'm pinning you down. You made me pick. I'm pinning you down. You've got to pick one. Oh. Connor, you have to go and buy one tomorrow, assuming the turbo is out. If it's out, you know, we'll just, for sod's sake, say it's out. You have to go and buy one tomorrow. You've written off your Audi. You've go and buy one. Oh, this is tricky, man. Yaris, I'll go for Yaris. <laughs> Yaris, I'll Yaris go for Yaris. Is. Yeah, what? I would. I I thought you'd pick that. You know, I, I've i seen you uh, eyeing up the Toyota recently, as we both have. Yeah, I'm I have. not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Right then. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. It's been longer than usual. And actually, it's been... Yeah, it's um, been very long. You know, we've, we've had a laugh, you know, we've... We're all going to mock me later, so it's fine. Um, yeah, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, feel free to sort of leave us some feedback on what you'd, you know, perhaps subjects that you want to hear or if there's anything that we can do to improve the quality of our podcast. Um, so if you feel free to get in touch on Instagram at uh, twincam.uk. Is it? That is correct, isn't it? Twincam.uk. Yes, it is. And you've got the email address. What's the email address for us? Uh, twincam.uk at gmail.com there you go nice and easy uh, remember it um, yes so please feel free to join us next week for another topic uh, you'll be having your news at the start of the week and another longer podcast like this towards the end um, so thank you very much for joining us guys um, take care have a good weekend and catch you later cue Bye-bye. the shit music ciao ciao oh fuck off it's not shit <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 